Welcome to Leadership and Life with Sandy Giroux. When you think about today's great leaders, do you ever wonder what makes them so great? Is it just the titles they hold? Or could it also be how they behave toward their people? They lead effectively, not because they have a job in their life, but because they bring life to the job. By following their examples, you can do the same. Now, here's your host, Sandy Giroux. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the final episode, at least for now, of Leadership and Life. I'm your host, Sandy Giroux, and I'd like to thank all of you who have been with me throughout this series, and especially over the last couple of weeks when we've had some replays because I've had to take a brief hiatus from broadcasting this last show due to the passing of my mom. I also want to thank all of you who know me and sent me your condolences and thoughts and prayers from around the world. In fact, being surrounded by such compassionate and caring people who took the time to let me know they were thinking of me is what made that whole experience even bearable. Now, I've just mentioned that this is the final episode of Leadership in Life, and that's because the intensity of doing a weekly radio broadcast is tremendous. And while I love it, I absolutely love this, I also have to be a good leader and walk my talk, part of which is to recognize when I want to avoid biting off more than I can chew at any given moment. So I'm working on a number of projects right now that combined with my travel and speaking schedule has caused me to reanalyze what needs to be done right now and what needs to wait until a little bit later. So I may be saying goodbye for now on leadership and life, but I may be taking it up again at some point in the future. So please connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash wow place or on LinkedIn. Just search for me by name, Sandy Giroux. That's Sandy with a Y. G-E-R-O-U-X, and on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Sandy Giroux. I'll keep you posted on new projects and whether or when I'll return to the radio broadcast in the future. I'll also post information, articles, free resources, and many other items there. So let's connect. As I mentioned, it has been a busy time and a bit of a tough time for me with my mom's passing added to the mix. But being surrounded by such compassionate and caring people also got me thinking about how this concept also applies to the workplace. The people with whom we surround ourselves and the way we all treat each other can make any experience better, no matter how inherently painful it may start out to be. And our treatment of others is the one factor that has the capacity to truly turn around our workplace or any place and make it a wow place. When we show people we really care about them as people, it doesn't matter what our title or position is. It doesn't even matter if you're in a consulting position rather than working directly for them. What matters is how human we are and how much humanity we demonstrate to others. Now, that doesn't mean we all have to walk around being mush pots around each other or trying to be someone that we aren't, but it does mean that we should just remember that phrase, what goes around comes around. It is so true. Whatever we put out there into the world, 
is what we will get from others in return. For example, I always try to put out caring, understanding, and empathy for others. And when my mom passed, wow, did I get caring, understanding, and incredible empathy heading my way. For example, I had five, count them, five speaking engagements in four different states in the week and a half of and after her passing. It was crazy. But when you have a job like mine, you don't just miss a client's meeting or convention or training program unless there is just absolutely no way to keep that commitment. And if you can't do it, then you attempt to get someone else that the client approves of, of course, to fill in for you. But in addition to those speaking engagements, I also had an all-day set of individual meetings with every member of the executive team of one of my other clients. Well, when this happened, every single one of my clients offered me the most unbelievable understanding from stopping the training I was conducting when I found out about my mom and allowing me to finish it via webinar later on, to canceling the executive team meetings and allowing me to catch up with all the executives later, even to having one corporate client offer to reschedule their meeting to another date. Now, they were flying people in from Washington, D.C. and New Jersey and other areas into New York City, and they offered to reschedule that meeting for me. Now, I didn't take them up on it, but it was incredibly compassionate and empathetic of them to even offer to do it. Now, all the rest of my clients had bigger conferences, but every one of them told me they would have understood if I had not been able to do my session, which would have left a hole in their schedule, but they would have understood. And for one of them, since there were only a few limited speakers for their concurrent sessions, this meant that between four and 600 people at a time on each of two different days would have been left without a session to attend amazingly understanding of them to offer to let me skip those sessions. And of course, because these clients are so incredibly wonderful, well, that just made me redouble my resolve not to leave them hanging and to make sure I went out and did their programs. But I will never forget their generosity and kindness. Now, these actions also reminded me of the incredible clients and leaders I'm privileged to work with on a daily basis. Leaders who word, whose words and actions made a big impact on me during this time and who actually do the same for their people every day because our actions and our words do influence others. And as leaders, we have the capacity to influence many others. The more human and authentic we are, that's when the real wows happen. This is especially true when our actions are completely unexpected of someone in our position. Because wows come from the extraordinary, extraordinary effort or compassion or respect or competence, extraordinary expertise and ability. It does not come from just doing the basics or doing the same old, same old that everyone else is doing. Now, maybe it's that as leaders, we show respect to others before demanding it from them. Perhaps it's in the way we hire good people and then get out of their way and let them offer and implement new ideas that are completely foreign to us at our current organization. But instead of rejecting everything they try to do or say, saying, well, that's not the way we do it here, we listen to them and we actually consider their ideas and let them know we value them. By the way, 
I am hearing this kind of excuse giving an awful lot in my travels lately. That's not the way we do it here. And good organizations are losing great new people because they're not allowing them to bring new ideas forward. Now, I'm not sure if it's because there really are a lot more leaders who are stopping their own people from being creative and empowering them to solve problems and serve clients, or if I'm just hearing it more and more as more people are speaking out. But please, if you are a leader who is hiring people from outside the organization and they have ideas to share with you, please open your mind. Isn't that why you hire good people to help you succeed? and bring fresh ideas to the organization to infuse new life and new energy into it? Well, don't snuff out that energy by basically telling them that they have nothing to offer you, that you already know everything, and that their input and opinion don't matter. Don't shock or wow them in the wrong way, which actually creates an ow experience for them. Don't owe them with excuses and justifications for not changing anything. So sometimes we create wows just by being flexible, adaptable, and receptive to new ideas. Sometimes we shock people, in fact, and create wows just because we reject the old, arrogant, entitled ways of the past and embrace an entirely new way of leading others. So here are a few incredibly inspiring examples of how our actions as leaders can change the course of a company, an organization, and even the world. Let's look first at Pope Francis, the 77-year-old world leader of over 1 billion members of the Catholic Church, who was elected in 2013, and he has been setting a whole new direction for not only his own office, but for the entire Catholic religion. Now, Pope Francis refuses to live in the papal residence in the Apostolic Palace. Instead, he chooses to live in the Vatican Guest House, in a suite in which he can receive visitors and hold meetings. He is the first pope since Pope Pius X to live outside the papal apartments. In addition, listen to the new and unusual things he has done that we would never have heard of from a pope in the past. He has washed the feet of a female Muslim prisoner. He is driven around Rome in a Ford Focus And he's also asked, who am I to judge with regard to the church's view of gay members? He created a group of eight cardinals to advise him on reform, which one church historian calls the most important step in the history of the church for the past 10 centuries. Now, Pope Francis also recently asked the world to stop the rock star treatment. And while he knows that his hardest work lies ahead, signs of a quote-unquote Francis effect are present. In a poll in March, one in four Catholics said that they'd increase their charitable giving to the poor this year. And of those, 77% said it was due in part to the Pope. Talk about an influential leader doing things differently, mixing it up, being receptive to new ideas and new input from people so that he can keep leading his people and the world in the most effective way possible. And 
how about the story of Alan Mullally, the 68-year-old CEO of the Ford Motor Company, who through his values-based leadership created a miraculous turnaround for Ford, Ford Motor Company without the usual move of resorting to bankruptcy or bailouts. He was able to do what previous leaders had tried and failed to do. He changed Ford's risk-averse culture, a culture that constantly buried its head in the sand and refused to admit reality, which also resulted in everyone playing the detrimental game of watching out only for and protecting themselves instead of working together for mutual benefit. Mullaly's philosophy on how to motivate, inspire, and lead others is this. Leadership is having a compelling vision, a comprehensive plan, relentless implementation, and talented people working together. He also believes that the process begins on a very personal level by becoming your, quote, best self. Now, that means engaging in self-reflection on a daily basis and gaining the self-knowledge and self-awareness to know your values, to understand what you stand for, and to demonstrate what matters most to you. Because if you don't know yourself, you can't possibly lead yourself. And if you can't lead yourself, then you can't possibly lead others either. But in addition to his philosophy of becoming his best self, Mullaly also believed in creating the best team. And he instituted the concept of one team with his motto, One Ford. It's a philosophy that's designed to break down silos, eliminate turf battles, and encourage teamwork and collaboration. Now, he repeated this motto at every opportunity, at work, on blogs, in interviews, TV, radio, everywhere. He even put it on a card, laminated the card, and carried it around with him so he and no one else could ever forget it. In addition, he also found a way to work with the United Auto Workers Union to create a win-win situation where they made changes to help improve Ford's profitability in return for bringing production jobs back to the U.S. Now, this is huge because so many organizations and unions struggle trying to work with each other, but this case study proves beautifully that if each group really cares about the other, you can reach an agreement that creates a win-win. Mullaly also enticed investors back by engaging in transparent and straightforward communication about what was broken and how he planned to turn things around, raising the 236 billion dollars needed to increase innovation and turn the business around. Now, by doing these things and so much more that you can read about on your own, Alan Mullaly created a $7.6 billion profit last year, surpassing both GM and Chrysler and allowing Ford to pay, get a load of this, each of its 47,000 United Auto Workers members a record 
$8,800 in profit sharing. That's over $412 million that he paid the union workers in profit sharing. You see, if he was going to negotiate something up front where they had to trust him to turn the company around and do so by giving something of their own, giving up something on the front end, they had to receive something on the back end. But he proved beautifully in a time when many people are having trouble working with any unions at all, he proved beautifully that you can work with the unions, that the unions are willing to work with industry and help them create profit by giving some concessions up front in exchange for what he exchanged was bringing back more U.S. jobs to the company. So the company said, all right, we'll help you be more profitable. You bring more jobs back to the U.S. Now, that was enough of a promise that he was going to keep anyway, right? That he was going to bring more jobs back to the U.S. However, when he became profitable in a milestone-setting manner, he then did an additional step to help with profit sharing and gave each of them a bonus. Talk about an incredible leader. Trying to make everyone realize that they all have to work together. That's consultants, that's unions, it's management, it's suppliers and vendors, it's everyone working together to create incredible success for every single party involved in that transaction. Now, we're about ready to take a break. And when we return, we're going to be talking some more about some of the other leaders that I've heard of and worked with who have created incredible results by also engaging all their people, helping them remember that we're all one, getting rid of the silos and letting everyone remember that it's one team working for one result. So when we come back, we'll be talking about more of that. So stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. Welcome back. We've been talking about how different leaders, most notably right now, Alan Mullaly rocked Ford's people and its success. And we talked about how Pope Francis has been turning around the image of the church and the Pope himself. We're also going to talk in this next segment about some more leaders who are doing incredible things. And I'm going to share a tool that I've created to help leaders do a self-assessment of their behaviors and actions that they should be doing on a daily basis to inspire and engage their teams. So the next leader I'd like to talk about is Jack Ma the executive chairman of Alibaba Group. Jack Ma built Alibaba into the world's largest online business with about 100 million shoppers every day and higher revenues than Amazon and eBay combined. He founded this company, as we hear so often lately, that comes from humble roots. He founded this company in his apartment in Hangzhou, China. Rather than constantly reminding people that they work for him, by the way, he engages his people by encouraging them to think big, big, think big, and work for their dreams just like he did. So he's providing the example and being a role model for them and telling them, hey, if I can do it, you can do it too. So think big. And here's another leader that you've probably never heard of who is doing incredible things. His name is Zhang Rimin, I think. I'm not sure how to say that last name, but it's R-U-I-M-I-N. And he is the CEO of Hayer Group. And he's transformed this company through his radical management innovations from being a small, failing, state-owned refrigerator maker in China into the world's largest appliance brand. Now, some of his innovative leadership moves are to group employees into small, self-managing teams that choose their own managers. They also compete for internal talent and Everyone on the team can earn big bonuses. Now, not only is this unusual in the West, but it's unheard of in China, but it's obviously working. Now, I just mentioned how he employ- he allows his employees to break into small self-managing teams that choose their own managers. Now, that's an important point. There is still a manager. 
so many people are proponents of flattening the organizational structure, right? Getting rid of all of the hierarchy, all of the management positions, and everyone's on an even par or an even level, claiming that it's not fair or even desirable for some people to be in higher positions than others. But the problem is that if you flatten the organization too much, what happens is that you strip everyone of the power to make any decisions at all, no matter how small. You see, when no one is responsible and accountable for results and no one has the power to make decisions, <laughs> then no decisions get made and the organization grinds to a halt. You know, I was actually in an organization in the 1980s that ran into this very problem. We would be in meetings and a decision needed to be made and everyone started backing away, claiming, well, I don't have the authority to do that. That's not my area. That's not my job. I can't make that decision. Well, who's in charge of that? Well, no one's in charge of that. Well, how can we make this decision? We can't come to consensus on the team. And everything began to stall. So removing the excess layers of management and hierarchy are absolutely necessary in order to keep the organization lean and effective. But don't strip everyone of any power at all to get things done by flattening it too much and trying to pretend that everyone is or should be at the same level of accountability and reliability and leadership. So, be careful of that. <clears throat> now, there's one more leader I'd like to tell you about. Her name is Ellen Cullman, and she is the CEO of DuPont. By the way, she's the first woman to head this over 200-year-old company. And her leadership style is illustrated in a wonderful quote that she gave in an interview about one of her earliest jobs as a young girl when she worked for her father, who ran a landscaping business. Her job was to water the flowers. She hated that job, but it taught her a lesson early on that has served her well throughout her career. And the lesson is this. If you don't water it, it's going to die. Huh. She understands the need for nurturing and watering her people just like she had to nurture and water the flowers. In other words, that was what she needed to do as a leader to help them grow. She has to nurture and water them. Now, she also stresses the need for constant rein reinvention, and she realizes that people want to work on things that matter, and they're energized by the chance to work on the kinds of problems that can make a difference in the world. So she communicates often in an effort not only to keep people informed, but also to keep them connected to the mission and vision that the company is trying to achieve. In fact, this is what actually drives her. She is truly interested in helping others succeed and create meanings in their lives. Now, all of these visionary leaders have not only captured the sales and profits that their companies needed, but they've captured the minds and hearts and imaginations of their workers by caring about them and helping them succeed as they ask those workers to help their companies succeed. And the biggest thing to remember about what they did 
was pointed out by Bill Gates when he was talking about his friend and great leader, Warren Buffett. And that one thing, that biggest thing that people need to remember, that leaders need to remember, is consistency. See, the best leaders are not perfect, but they are consistent. Inconsistency breeds fear and mistrust, while consistency makes people feel safe and valued and makes them want to engage and contribute. I mean, think about the leader whose people have to ask all the time, what kind of a mood is he in today? Can we talk to her today? Is she in a good mood today? What's happening over there? Can I talk to her? Can I do anything? How about how about those people? How does anyone get anything done in an atmosphere like that? You can't. In fact, there's a principle called systems theory that says that we don't operate in a vacuum. And in the corporate world, it means that the mood or atmosphere of the department comes right down from the top. If the leader is consistently in a good mood, well, the department reflects that. They're in a good mood. They know that they can try things. They feel safe to try things. They feel like they're not going to have to pay the ultimate price because they know that their leader is understanding and consistently in the right frame of mind to listen to what they have to say. But If the leader is constantly in a bad mood, well, the entire department also reflects that bad mood. Or at least the unsafety that goes along with not knowing how that leader is going to react or, in fact, anticipating that the worst possible reaction is what they're going to get from even the smallest of infractions. And if the leader is inconsistent, It turns the entire department into babbling fools, tripping over each other to either please the leader or deflect their anger away from themselves, often at the expense of others in the department. I used to work for someone like that. And by the way, he was the owner of a privately held company, and his wife, who didn't even work for the company, was also involved, and they were both like that. In fact, her mood... And her treatment of him in the morning was absolutely reflected by his treatment of everybody in the office when he got there. If she had treated him badly, he came in roaring like a madman. If she treated him well, well, then he came in okay. But let me tell you, it wasn't pretty for any of us who had to work there and deal with that on a daily basis. Now, The thing is, though, that most leaders don't want to be bad leaders or even just good leaders. They want to be great leaders. But they often have blind spots, which John Maxwell describes as an area in the lives of people in which they continually do not see themselves or their situation realistically. Now, blind spots explain the phenomenon where surveys show that managers believe they're highly effective at demonstrating certain traits or behaviors, but their teams, when surveyed, have quite the opposite opinion. How does that happen? It happens because the leader does not recognize the effect of their own behavior on their own people. Now, there are actually many different areas of blind spots demonstrated by leaders, but four of the top 10 that show up most often are one, going it alone. In other words, being afraid to ask for help. 
So many leaders think that asking for help is a sign of weakness when it is quite the opposite. It's a sign of confidence in yourself and the fact that you can't know and do everything and confidence in your people that you have hired to help you get to a higher level. So going it alone and being afraid to ask for help is a blind spot that every leader needs to worry about and watch out for. Don't let it happen to you. Now, the second one is just merely being insensitive of your behavior on others, being unaware of how you show up every day. And it's how you show up in your mood, in your words, even in just simply your attitude towards the work and toward the people who work for you. The third thing is having an I know attitude. And what that means is that this leader values being right above everything else. They must be right at all costs. And even if they're not right, they will spin the existing or current information to make it appear as though they're right, fooling themselves into thinking that everybody else is fooled by this, but they're not. So don't fool yourself with trying to be right above everything else. You can't always be right. You're human, just like all your people can't always be right. They're human. The more human you can accept that you are, and the more human you can admit to being to your people, the more they will love and embrace you and all your faults, because they know that you're trying your best, you're doing a great job, and you realize you're human. Now, the fourth area that shows up very often is treating commitments casually, which means not honoring another person's time or energy or resources. Now, this could be as simple as never saying thank you or acknowledging when someone's done a good job, thinking that, hey, I pay them to do a good job. That should be all that they need. That is not all they need. They're humans too. Every once in a while, every human being likes to hear, hey, great job. I appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. Now, it could be that, or it could merely be calling a meeting, not being on time yourself, or getting into the meeting and getting off on so many tangents that you allow the meeting to go over time so that now other people in the meeting are blowing up appointments that they may have made after the meeting, or having other people who are supposed to meet with you have to wait while you finish up this meeting. That is not honoring their person's time. It is treating your personal commitments to keep your word and stay on time too casually. You know, I was speaking with a group of executive administrators at one point recently, and one of the things that came up was that one leader is so self-aware that they are really bad at staying on time in their meetings that they ask their admin to come and knock on the door and give everyone a five-minute warning. But the thing that makes it so effective and not intrusive at all is that she doesn't just go to the door at five minutes and say, hey, five minutes. No, when everybody walks into the office area and goes into the meeting room, she tells them up front, she prefaces those actions by telling them up front, hey, at five minutes before the end of the meeting, I'm going to come and just knock on the door and give everybody a friendly reminder that there are only five minutes left so you can wrap up. Will that be all right? And everybody's like, wow, that's really great. Even the leader says that is great. And he appreciates the fact that she does this because 
he knows that he's bad at keeping those appointments on time. And then if at the five-minute warning there really is something that needs to continue to be talked about, then what he does is say, I need five more minutes, and she'll say, okay, and then she comes back in five or ten more minutes or however much the leader needs. But do you see how keeping those appointments and making sure that everybody knows that you value their time just as much as yours makes a huge difference? They love it. Now, if you've been tuning in over the past few months, you've heard my Wow Place rules, which address these very behaviors and offer guidelines on how to overcome or avoid them in your workplace. But there's one more tool that's based on the Wow Place rules that I've developed to help leaders recognize their blind spots and determine where they may have strengths and challenges in the areas of leadership represented by those five rules. It's a leadership self-assessment tool called Leadership Bingo. Now, by the way, this is a great tool for self-assessment, but it's also a great tool for assessing the organization or a department as a whole. Now, there are five columns representing the letters in the word bingo, but each column corresponds to one wow place rule. So the B column represents rule number one. A wow place is safe. That means safe for people to engage and contribute. And each cell underneath that column on my official bingo card represents an action that the leader should perform in order to help their people feel safe to contribute ideas, suggestions, knowledge, etc. for the good of the organization. There are four more columns on the bingo card and we'll get into each of those when we come back from a short break. Talk to you in a few. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to seek new perspectives, understand others' viewpoints, and find ways to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit thewowplace.com. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. And we're back. I'm Sandy Giroux, your host for Leadership in Life, and we're talking about Leadership Bingo, the self-assessment leadership tool that I've created in order to help you focus on the daily actions grouped into the five well-placed rules that you should be displaying on a daily basis with your teams. So we just talked about how the B column represents rule number one, a well place is safe. Rule number two is under the I column, and it is a well place is respectful. Each cell underneath that column suggests an action that shows respect to others, such as not interrupting during meetings or going first and showing respect before demanding it of others. The end column is for well place rule number three. A well place is human, not humanoid. And each cell there suggests ways for leaders to be more human, compassionate, and relatable so that they get to know their people and their people get to know them. Wow place rule number four is under the G column and that is that a wow place is innovative, creative, and fun with the cells obviously representing ways to encourage innovation and creativity as well as fun in the workplace. Just remember that people don't often succeed unless they're having fun in what they're doing. That's a quote by Dale Carnegie, and it is so true. Let them have some fun and be creative when they're trying to do their work. And finally, the O column represents rule number five, a wow place is rewarding, which contains suggestions for rewarding your people and engaging them and making sure that they understand that there's something in it for them 
when they also act on behalf of the company. Now, the way to conduct the assessment is to mark an X in each cell where you honestly feel that you perform that action at least 80% of the time. And if you're doing an organizational evaluation, you'd mark it if you believe that 80% of the organization consistently, that's consistently, performs those actions. So instead of asking yourself, do I ask for ideas and input from others, you would ask, do at least 80% of the leaders in our organization or department ask for ideas and input from others? So it's easily translatable to teams and groups rather than just individuals as well. Now, don't slough over these questions, though, or just say, well, of course I do. Really think about it. Because if you do have a blind spot in that area, you may not recognize that you're not doing it and you think you do. Remember, all humans, all leaders often have blind spots where they think they excel at a task or a trait, but their people disagree. So, again, let's just look at some of the cells that are, talk about some of the cells that are on there. For the B column, you would determine objectively how you make your well place safe. For example, if, do you ask for their input and ideas when there's a problem or even when you're just walking around during the day? Do you ask about and do they share the details of their lives? Do they clam up when you're around because they're afraid they might think that you think they're goofing off? Do they feel safe asking you for advice or help? People, especially younger people in the workplace now, want some coaching from the leaders. They want access to the higher-ups and they want to know that they can ask you for advice and help. Or if they're asking for your time when they have a problem, do they feel safe doing that? Even if you look like you might be in a hurry, do they feel safe to know that you'll say, hey, look, I can't help you right now, but I'll come back to you later? Do they feel they can admit to making mistakes? You see, every column on the bingo card has actions like this listed that you can objectively assess and determine that if that column is a strength or a challenge for you. The more X's you can mark in a column, the stronger you are in that set of behaviors. The fewer you mark with an X, obviously, the more focus you may want to place on that rule and the behaviors that go with it. And by the way, if you do take a look at my bingo card, you'll see that in the center of the card is a free space, just like on a regular bingo card, and it just coincidentally happens to land in the rule column for being human, which is perfect because, after all, we're only human. So we get a pass from time to time. Now, that's how you get vertical bingos, by filling in the things in each column. The way to get a horizontal bingo is to remain consistent across any particular scenario. You see, each row is scenario-based. And if you mark an X in each cell in a row, well, that means you're behaving consistently across that entire scenario. It's more difficult to get a horizontal bingo than a vertical one because it requires you to remain consistent, sometimes over time, but it points out the importance of doing so. Now, I know that in regular bingo, there are also other ways to get bingo, like diagonal ones, but in this assessment, that doesn't count. Only the vertical and horizontal ones count. 
Now, if you'd like to check out my leadership bingo assessment and the methods to either purchase the do-it-yourself assessment and game or invite me to facilitate a session and training program at your organization, you can visit www.leadershipbingo.com for more details. I'd love to come and visit you and help you assess your leadership behaviors. Now, When I talk about consistency, though, it refers to consistency within each leader. So each leader in the organization is consistent, dependable, and trustworthy. But it also refers to consistency across the organization, meaning that you don't have pockets of inconsistent leadership sprinkled throughout the organization where leaders are demoralizing or disengaging the people who have the misfortune of dealing directly with them in that department. See, too often we'll see an organization that has many, many great leaders, but there are one or two who could be wreaking havoc amongst their team members. And that can spread and affect the morale of other teams not directly impacted by that leader. So it's important to not only look within yourself to be the best leader you can be, but also to look for signs of trouble in the areas of the organization that could signal a leader that needs some coaching to be the best he or she can be as well. And there are many signs of this. A revolving door in one department, people getting hired and then leaving quickly, people grumbling, low morale, high absenteeism, low presenteeism, all kinds of things. Uh, Also, high um, medical bills and things because stress adds up in these departments. Don't turn a a blind eye to this. You know what they say about one bad apple eventually poisoning the whole barrel? Well, don't let it happen to your organization. Just remember that your organization is made up of human beings and morale issues, both positive and negative, can spread quickly from one area to another, sometimes even before you recognize that it's happening. Now, there are a couple of things that I've seen and talk about all the time, a couple of quick little tools that you can use to try to make sure that your behavior is consistently the way you'd like it to be portrayed. One is to pretend that there is a camera in the corner of the room recording your actions when you're talking on the phone, when you're dealing with your people, when you're working a problem. What do you look like? What do you sound like? Are your behaviors When you give direction or coaching to somebody, respectful. Is it something that you would want to be caught on tape or not? Sometimes just pretending that there is a camera in the corner of the room recording your actions can help you stifle a bad impulse to say or do something that may demotivate someone else. Another thing is to put repeatable processes in place. You know, when I was a top producing realtor, I had to put processes in place that would help me keep all of the things going that were helping me be successful. I'm doing the same as a speaker. You have to keep the prospecting going or else your your pipeline is going to dry up. You have to keep the customer service going or else you won't get repeat business. And, you know, I hear so many people where I was coaching them in real estate and in other areas and they would have a fantastic year. And I'd say, great, how'd you do it? And they'd say, no clue. (laughs) I have no idea. Couldn't possibly repeat it if I wanted to. Oh, That's a person or an organization that needs to put repeatable processes in place. So when you have something that's working, you can make it go on autopilot and let it repeat. 
The third thing is to think, see, and say. I saw this in an article on marketing that commercials do that. What you see and what people say are sometimes two different things. If you ever want anyone to buy your products, what they see on the screen and what you say, what the actors say in the commercial have to match. Well, it's the same in a leader. If you say that you act according to your values, your people must see you also doing that because if not, there is a huge disconnect. So those three things, putting a camera in the corner of the room and recording your actions or pretending there's one, thinking see and say so that your actions are matching your words and putting repeatable processes in place will help you be a very consistent leader who is able to motivate and inspire your organization to success. And that organization, just remember, is made up of human beings, which brings us to the last segment of our program, the food segment. We talk about food here because it is one of the most common and universal things shared by all human beings. We all have to eat and we all appreciate our traditions, our cultures. We have our favorite foods and when someone asks us about them, man, do we love talking about them. So I'd like to share with you the piece de resistance of desserts for us as an Italian family. And it's something that my family has done for ages and ages and ages. So I'll share this recipe, and it's for a delicious cookie called Snowballs. Now, this simple recipe makes some of the most delicious cookies I have ever ever tasted. I know they sound sweet given that they're coated with confectioner's sugar when you look at the uh, the recipe, which by the way is on the show page underneath the links, but you can control how much coating of the confectioner's sugar you put on it. The cookie itself is a little bit crispy and crunchy and it's got walnuts in it and a little sweetness. It is absolutely amazing. So try with a couple of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just putting a little bit of sugar on the outside and increase it if you'd like it. We give these cookies to family, friends. We bring them to our doctors at holiday times, especially Christmas time. And we have plenty on hand for the family. They even freeze well. So enjoy that recipe. And I hope that you uh, give me a, a quick buzz at some point and let me know how that worked out for you. I think everyone you know will love them. Now, as we get ready to close out this episode of Leadership in Life, I want to share with you a poem that I saw that illustrates how difficult it is to build up a team, but how easy it is to tear it apart if we don't focus on keeping it healthy, whole, and intact. The poem is by an unknown author, and it's called Builder or Wrecker. It goes like this. I watched them tear a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a mighty heave and a lusty yell, they swung a boom and a sidewall fell. I said to the foreman, are these men skilled as the men you'd hire if you had to build? He gave me a laugh and said, no, indeed, just a common laborer is all I need. And I can wreck in a day or two what it took the builder a year to do. And I thought to myself as I went my way, just which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care? Measuring life by the rule and square? Or am I a wrecker as I walk the town, content with the labor of tearing down? 
This poem reminds me of just how much care it takes to be a great leader who builds great teams and creates wow experiences for our people so they want to create wow experiences for our customers. And the problem is that without the consistency that comes from self-reflection and focus, as well as the consistency that is created by asking every leader in the organization to do the same, what took the founders of any company years to create can be torn down in a heartbeat, either by those very founders who have become complacent or by those they hire who don't focus on the same values the founders wish to exhibit. So my hope is that each of you will take the time to listen to each episode of this radio broadcast if you haven't already done so. Take the tools, tips, and stories shared by myself and my guests to help you figure out new and unique ways to engage and empower your teams to create wow experiences for each other and your customers. And finally, take the time to focus on the actions and behaviors you're demonstrating that may be inspiring or inadvertently demotivating your people. Take a look at your emotional logo and the lasting impressions you make on others. We talked about that in episode one, in case you don't know what that refers to. So use your team members wisely. Make sure that you let them know they're valued, appreciated, and listened to. And with that, we'll conclude the show. I hope you inf- the information and stories we've shared have you looking for ways to help your teams succeed. And if you've truly enjoyed the show, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you and share it with everyone you know. My website is www.thewowplace.com. You can find me here on the show page, and you can email me at sandy at thewowplace.com. Once more, I'm Sandy Giroux, wishing you all a wonderful leadership journey as you turn your workplace into a wow place. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for joining Sandy Giroux for Leadership and Life. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you again next week.